Gracious Father, we thank you for the special music that was offered before you today is our prayer. Father, in our hearts, stir within us a fire that causes us to sing praises to your, towards your name. May the word of God be vivified this night, not through eloquence, not through intelligence, not through study, but simply by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 15, please repeat after me, but sanctify the Lord God. Okay, I'm using the King James. There's nothing wrong with other versions, but just follow, repeat after me. But sanctify the Lord God. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Okay, everyone, close your eyes. Close your eyes. No one's going to hit you. Just close your eyes. Trust me, no one's going to just close your eyes. You, some of you have a lot of anxiety issues. It's okay. Or you're afraid of the dark. It's okay. Just close your eyes. Please repeat after me. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. But sanctify. But sanctify the Lord. Oh, I was wrong. Sanctify. I know. I know. Why didn't you guys say anything? I was testing you. But sanctify the Lord God. But sanctify the Lord God in your but to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And keep your eyes closed. But doesn't the meaning, just in a, in a little bit, a little way, doesn't it change just a little bit when you emphasize each word every time you repeat it? Just in, in a different way, okay? Please repeat it after me. But be ready always to give an answer to every man. Be ready always. Be ready always. Be ready always. Be ready always. You got to dig down and get into the Southern Baptist roots of, of none of us here. Uh, to give an answer. To give an answer to every man. Please open your eyes. I'm going to ask that, that, that to this week, if you get a chance, and we're here in nature, to memorize this text. And if you've already memorized it, don't be hooty tooty snooty. Memorize the next verse after it. Amen? <laughs> Remember something else. But use the opportunity because we are studying this text together. And, 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 and this, this week is, is, a, is a week on, on, on apologetics, on, on giving a reason for your faith. We have speakers here who, uh, Sister Janet Page is going to talk about experiencing God. It's the personal testimony, the, the experience that she has from her life is the best witness that someone can give. Uh, a brother Stephen Dickey is going to share about uh, a Muslim ministry. We have a mission to share even to peoples that we are not familiar with, such as the... And then we also have a, a seminar on apologetics that, that I just mentioned over here today. But we have, a, have a, a certain responsibility to share our faith. But here's the thing. When, when, when especially young people, and I look out here, and there's a lot of young people or a lot of young people at heart here in this, in this room... We are afraid to share our faith. We're what? Afraid. We're afraid. Why are, we, why are we afraid to share our faith? Whenever I've been a pastor for 10 years now, and I heard that, whenever, hey, let's go do outreach today. We're going to do evangelism. What always you have is the most bold people, the most courageous people. They're like, yeah. And these are the more sanguine, outgoing, social people who like talking. They go and they're like, yeah, let's go do it. And then the normal people like me who are a little bit more shy and rather sit with the book next to a fire and don't like people and just kind of like rather be in a fetal position in the dark, sitting in, inside on the second floor, they're like, oh, I, I just, uh, uh, I don't, uh. and then if you're intelligent, you think of intelligent reasons why you shouldn't go to that outreach, <laughs> right? If you're not intelligent, you're like, man, I wish I could think of a reason, I can't think of a reason, but if you're intelligent, you're like, oh yeah, I have leg surgery, or I'm allergic to evangelism, or it's not biblical to do evangelism, you find these weird ways to get out of it, amen? amen. Now, if you're laughing, you're laughing because this is you, this is you, this is, this is you. You've, done, you've done this, but the Bible says, give an, a reason for the hope, a reason for the what? And today, this, and, I, and I switched the, the, the messages around because I thought this would probably be a better message to start off with. Today, we're going to read uh, a little bit before verse 15, okay? 
Uh, chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 8, verse 8. And whenever you, what you always want to do when you're reading Scripture, we have a, a, a bad tendency to always look at one verse and take that verse out of context, and we use it out of whenever we want to. But we want to see where the flow of 1 Peter goes. The, the what, everybody? The flow. Okay? And what you want to do is when you're, when, you're, when you're studying Scripture, you want to look for French fries. You want to look for what, everybody? There was, there was a, a story, and some of you may I've used this story, and I just use this for, for political reasons. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a hodgepodge of two stories, and I put it together. But uh, basically the story is we were going from New York to Berrien Springs one time. You guys all know where Berrien Springs is? All, all Evans know where Berrien Springs is. And we're going, and it's like a 1,500-hour trip, okay? That's, it's like 10 hours, really. And what happens is, I don't know about, about you, but for me, and I don't know if it's the male mind or whatever, but when you start driving, you start driving and you do not stop, <laughs> right? And so when you're on a road trip, you, I, I don't like traveling with females because females like to stop every 10 minutes and so, okay? So I'm here and I have my friend and his little brother are with me and we're driving. I got my sunglasses on. The ambient temperature is perfect. The angle of the chair is perfect. The angle of the, of the steering wheel is perfect. And everything is perfect, okay? Bathroom set. Gas set. Everything's set. We're going. Once we go, we do not stop except for one reason alone. Why do we stop? Gas. Why? Because you have to. And so we're, we're, we're driving, and all of a sudden, the kid in the back says, hey, I want to get some French fries. Get some what? Get some what, everybody? Okay, I know this is a, a, a I'm assuming you're a health-conscious uh, group here, and you're like, oh, my goodness, French fries? Okay. Uh, but he wanted French fries, and he wasn't uh, a good Seventh-day Adventist. And, um, and, and, and I said, no, once we start driving, we will not stop. And then we had a little exchange that, that I was not very Christ-like towards him. This was a long, long time ago, so I was, I was not so nice. And so he was really, really mad. And as we were driving, all of a sudden, he shouts out with the top of his lungs. He says, one. I'm like, one, one what? And I asked the guy, I'm like, what's your little brother saying? I don't know. Are you okay? What? He wouldn't say. He was mad. I kept on driving. He says, three. Three. Three what? What's, what, are you, what? Are you going to explode? What are you, you going to do? What's, what's going on? All of a sudden he says, seven. And we're driving. I'm like, what's going on? What, are you okay? And he, he was so mad. He wouldn't say anything. He just, 12, 13, 19, 22, 27. I'm like, 20, what? What is, I'm like, do you have, have you a bomb that's supposed to go off soon? What's going, what's going to happen? And eventually he's like, has tears in his eyes. He's like, 37, 38. And I'm like, oh, man. And I don't want to be responsible for the death of a child in my car. So I pulled over and I said, look, hey, I'm so sorry. We'll get you whatever you want. Why are you crying? Why in the world are you counting? And he says, I just want some French fries. Okay, we'll get you some French fries, but why are you counting? I'm counting how many restaurants we passed (laughs) that sell what? In his mind is fixated only on one thing. What is that? And whenever we're, when we're driving, all he sees in his eyes are what? French fries. Have you ever, has this ever happened to you when you're looking to buy a car and you're driving and, you, and the for sale signs for cars seem a little bit more vibrant than other things? Or if, ladies, if you're looking for a, for, for a, a dress, I, I don't know, and, and, and like, like sale signs, like 90% off are a little bit more vibrant. Yeah, is is this making sense? I'm trying to identify with females, but I'm not one, so I have a hard time doing that. Anyway, you want to do that for the Bible, okay? Now, what happens is, and I'm going to just use, for example, Revelation chapter 4. You don't have to turn to it, but every, almost every other word is one word that's repeated over and over and over and over and over. You guys don't, actually, let's go to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Just turn link quick. Keep your finger in 1 Peter 3. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Many passages of Scripture do this. And and, then go to chapter 4. Hurry up. You're too slow. Quickly, quickly, quickly. If you're there, please say amen. Amen. Okay, chapter 4, verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, one that sat on the throne. Verse 3. And he that sat was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne. Verse 4. Round about the throne. Verse 5. And out of the throne. Before uh, the throne. Verse 6. Before the throne. In the midst of the throne. Round about the throne. Verse 9. Him that sat on the throne. Verse 10. Him that sat on the throne and cast her crowns before the throne. Chapter 5, verse 1, that's set on the throne. What is the, quote, French fry of Revelation chapter 4? 
throne. Is this clear? So when you're studying chapter 4, Revelation, the focal point, the emphasis should be placed on the theme of the Make sense? Now, every chapter does that, or every long passage does that. Every book of the Bible does that. For example, book of Matthew. Does anyone know what word is repeated in the book Matthew over and over and over again? And don't say words like the or and at at. These are found all throughout, and they're not even real words. Amen? Now, in the book of Matthew, there is, an, there is a noun that's repeated over and over. Does anyone know what word that is? Jesus, okay, that's another word that's, that's, that's found all over the New Testament. Okay, anyone else? Just, just guess, you can be wrong. And if you're going to be wrong, be, be confidently wrong, okay? What's that? King, almost there. The word that's repeated over is kingdom, kingdom. And the, and the point of, of, of Matthew is to prove that Jesus is the king of the, the kingdom, okay? Book of Mark, what word is repeated over and over again? I hear moaning, but I don't understand anything that's actually going on. Okay, what word is repeated over and over in Mark? Mayo? Man, no, incorrect. Immediately, immediately is over and over. Mark is recording all the actions of Jesus and recording and proving that Jesus was was a servant that did this, and immediately he did this, and did this, and immediately did this, and this. Book of Luke, what word is repeated over and over again? What is it? Oh, you said it before. The, first, the uh, man, okay. So, book of Mark is trying to uh, book of book of Luke is trying to prove that Jesus was a human being. Book of John, what word is repeated over and over and over and over again? Love. Incorrect. <laughs> that doesn't mean Jesus is not love. I'm not saying that, but that's not the son of man. Incorrect. Beat. Meek. Incorrect. The word. Incorrect. Good, incorrect. Pray, incorrect. Jesus, good answer, incorrect. Water, one, incorrect. Shelter? Shepherd, incorrect. That's only found in John chapter 10. All, all grace, incorrect. Okay, well, actually open to the book of John, friends, and look through it. You, you, you can do that. That's, that's fine. Okay. Fruit, incorrect, John chapter 15. What's that? Father, incorrect, John 16 through 18. Glory, very close, but no veggie cigar. Divine, incorrect. Light, uh, kind of, but not throughout the entire book. Okay. Now, if you want to do small sections, you'll get there. But the light, life, life almost there, but not there. The eternal life with an adjective, incorrect. Anyone else? Man. Lamb. Oh, John chapter 1. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, the French fry that's repeated over and over and over and over. You gotta take all these things and put them together. Okay, John. Joy. That is the word found in Philippians. Wrong book. Wrong book. Disciple. Incorrect. Verily. Verily, verily, I say it to you. Yes, that's, that's found all throughout the Gospels. Okay, well, they only allotted only 50 minutes for me, so I'm going to just, just going to fast forward here. It's the word believe. Believe. So you, they haul this section in believe, believe, believe. John is trying to prove the, the divinity of Jesus. So you have the kingship of Jesus, the servant of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, and the divinity of Jesus. You need four Gospels to show this. The word that's repeated shows the theology that's, that's within the book. Is this, if this is clear, please say amen. amen. Okay, Romans does this. I mean, all the and it's fun. Now, let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, and there's a French fry, and you understand what I mean by French fry now, right? There's a French fry in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, the word sufferings of Christ is there. Chapter 2, verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly. Verse 20, suffer for it. Verse 21, Christ also suffered. Verse 23, when he suffered. Chapter 3, verse 14, but, it, but and if you suffer. Chapter 3, verse 17, that you suffer for well-doing. Verse 18, for Christ has also has once suffered. Verse 20, long-suffering. Chapter 4, verse 1, 
Christ has suffered for us. He that suffered in the flesh. Chapter 5, onwards. the word that, that's repeated over, 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 and over, over, and over again in 1 Peter is the word what? So that the, the theme, the theology, the main point of 1 Peter is what? Today, I'd like to talk about suffering. Amen? Amen? It's just an awesome, happy topic to talk about. <laughs> suffering. Suffering. Chapter 3. Let's go to chapter 3. We're going to start from uh, verse 8. Verse 8. Are you with me? Amen. If you're with me, please say amen. amen. Is anyone not with me? Please say, wait for me. Okay, verse 8. Bible reads, Finally, be one in all, in one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrary, blessing, knowing that you are there to call, that you should inherit a blessing. Now, verse 10 through 12, he's actually quoting from the Old Testament, from Psalms, chapter 34. Bible reads in verse 10, For he that will love life will see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Verse 13, this is the question that Peter asks. And who is he that will what? Harm you if you be followers of that which is what? Okay, how many of you were with me? How many of you actually, you, you dazed out, you're like, laundry, and then came back? Okay, no. <laughs> okay, now, verse 10 through 12, he's quoting, he, now, what Peter is doing, he's doing a Bible study. He's doing a what? And if you're doing a Bible study, you always want to use the what? Bible. Now, that sounds very uh, 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 facetious, but today, there are many Bible studies where you don't even open the the Bible. And even in the New Testament, when they, when they did Bible studies in the New Testament, they used the what? The Old Testament. Okay? So what Peter's actually doing, he's doing a, a, a study on Psalms 34. Now verse 13, he says this, Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Verse 14, it, But, and if you suffer for what? Righteousness sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Now, what I'm going to ask you today is, is, is to think a little bit, a little bit uh, 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 deep about your Christian experience. I'm going to ask you, when is the last time you have been sincerely afraid of something? Everyone has a fear. In America, the number one fear, guess what the number one fear in North America is? Public speaking. And, I, and I, maybe you, you probably don't believe me. A lot of people will say they don't. But my fear growing up okay, was what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> was people. Because people are people. <laughs> They're alive. And then when you're talking to them, they have this ability to what? Actually, that's a pretty vague question to ask, right? To absorb and understand what you're saying. And then they make up an opinion or they come up with a thought. <laughs> and then, if they're not careful, they might say that thought. A judgment. Early Christians were persecuted, yes? And early Christians were afraid. And Peter is talking to the early Christians. Don't be afraid. And he's talking about suffering. Seventh-day Adventists today, are we being persecuted? Now, by the government and through CIA agents and be recordings and all behind the microphones and, and Jesuit and Opus Dei agents behind every bush and the masons in the, in the, in the basement, are, is that happening yet? <laughs> okay, I, I don't know. Okay, I, are we being persecuted like Christians were in early, early church times? No. But we often are living lives like we are being persecuted. Aren't we not? When I was little, I was so ashamed of being Seventh-day Adventist. Well, I, I went to a Catholic high school for four years. Then I went to a Jewish college for four years. Then I was at Harvard Medical School doing research and stem cell research in front of, a, of hundreds of physicians who do not believe in 
creation, God, revelation, the scriptures, all of the above. And I was, I was very ashamed. I was very nervous. I had one time, one time uh, all in, in, in Catholic school, all the football games are not on Sunday through Friday, but guess which day? And I would not go. And they said, hey, how come you don't go? Oh, I have to go to church. You have to go to where? I have to go to church. You go to church? Oh, hey, that's cool. You go to Mass on Saturday? Oh, my grandma goes to Mass on Saturday. She does? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I do. Hey, what, 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 are, what are you, are you Catholic? No, I'm a Seventh-day no, 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 Adventist. You're a what? Seventh-day Adventist. And what happens is your, the volume of your voice gets, gets, gets lower, and then you start, like, mumbling your, and then your, your heartbeat gets really fast, and you start thinking, like, man, what can I say that's the least offensive and, and can, can raise a less amount of questions? You know what I'm talking about? Have you had this ever happen to you? Okay. Now, some of you are like, no, that has never happened to me. I am confident. Like, you're one of those sanguine people that loves outreach. But there's others of us that are just kind of like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, well, and like, hey, what? Seventh-day what? Adventist. Oh, Adventist? Hey, what do you guys believe? Oh, we are exactly the same as Roman Catholics. <laughs> Everything's the same. But we just go to have worship on Saturday. Oh, okay, that's cool, man, that's cool. All right, okay, hey, well, are you, we won't see you at the game. Yeah, I won't, I won't be there. Okay, see you, bro. Boo. <laughs> now, that's an extreme version, but how many of you had, don't raise your hands, but versions of like that, something like that has happened? You're a what? You're, you don't eat pork? Where do you have to go Friday night? Where are you going? Where, hey, come back. Where, where are you going? <laughs> You're vacuuming on Friday. Okay. We are, sometimes we're ashamed of our faith. And sometimes we're not ashamed of our faith, but a way to deflect that is we don't, we, we want to limit contact with human beings. We want to live amongst ourselves with other Seventh-day Adventists, or if there's no other Seventh-day Adventists, we want to become a monastery for Adventists in the top of the mountain and live with no contact with anyone. And we eat a lot of garlic, so we repel all the, all the vampire, vampires away. Verse 13, Peter is writing, verse 13, Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? He's basically saying, if God is for you, who can be? And it doesn't matter if the government or the CIA. And then what happens is this. Sometimes we have this this kind of fear-based evangelism. Yes? You guys know what I'm talking about? The, the, The latest in computer technology that can track Christians in the last days. Chips or or computers or cameras or the next uh, denomination that has secret information and files. And they try to use fear to induce us to follow the Lord Jesus. Yes? Now, is that a motivation that the Lord Jesus uses? Yeah, the Lord Jesus uses everything. Is that, is that the preferred biblical usage to draw people to Christ? No, it's not. Okay? But here, basically, Peter is saying, hey, if there, there's no government can harm you. Verse 14. But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. Be not afraid of their what? In the Greek, it actually say, be, do not fear their fear. Do not fear their what? You see, what happens is people are afraid of a group of people who have no fear. And what I submit to you today is this. If you understand this, you can take a nap and fall asleep for the rest of tonight. We as Seventh-day Adventists are not called to be a, 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 a people of perfection. We're not a people who have their beds made every morning. We're not a people that, that have the, the lowest uh, cholesterol counts in, in North America. We're not the people that, that, that uh, our bodies are... Anyway, we're, we're, we, we are not called to any of these things. We are called to be a people that has no fear. Do you understand this? Every doctrine we have, all 28, are customized to, to adapt to a certain fear. Seventh-day Adventists, we have no fear of death. Amen? If we die, what happens? Lord Jesus resurrects us. So let's get hit by a car. No problem. Amen? I'm not saying that we should all go out and get hit by a car. Seventh-day Adventists have no fear of ghosts. Why? There aren't any. 
Seventh-day Adventists have no fear of demons, demon possession, or devils. Why not? Because we believe in the archangel of all the created angel beings. We have no, we have no fear of the end of the world. Why not? Because we have this what? We have this hope. Do you understand where this is coming from? The, the, the context. Now, the context we're trying to memorize is, is verse 15. Give the reason for your what? Hope and fear are very, 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 very similar. One causes encouragement. One causes discouragement. But they're very similar. They're all looking towards the future. We all have different fears. In Korea, there is a, there is a idiom that says, Nunkun saramdunun kobi mano. Did you get that? If you have big eyes, you have a lot of fear. And as a fellow Asian Korean, as a representative of the continent, I have been known to be someone who has big eyes. Now, I know when, when, when Westerners, when, 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 when Caucasians look at Asians, they all think, man, you guys have small eyes. We don't have small eyes. Our eyes are only shaped differently. Amen? Is this, is this, is this clear? I just want to make that clear. Now, are there some Asians that have small eyes? Absolutely. But are there some Caucasians who have small eyes? Absolutely. Now, I have big eyes, and my mom has big eyes, and when I was little, I always had a lot of fear. I was always afraid of something. What I was most afraid of was being, was, was, was be considered someone to be different. And really, at the end of the day, aren't we all afraid to be different? Now, as you get older, this is, this is what defines a young person. A young person is someone who doesn't know that they have the fears that they already have. An old person is someone who's realized those fears. Yes? Old people always say, hey, don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and watch out for this. Well, why not? Because this could happen, or that could happen, and this could happen. Young people don't know, don't have any experience. They're like, nah, nah, nah. they don't know what's going on. So just do it anyway. Amen? All the ones who are laughing are, are, we'll just keep on going. We'll keep on going. <laughs> and here, what he's talking about is, is suffering. And, 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 and I, I want to be very, very clear. When the Bible talks about suffering, there's different types of suffering. I can kick my, my, my foot against this thing and, and my, my foot would hurt. Is that suffering? It's not suffering. Am I suffering? I am suffering in the emotional state of suffering, but that is not biblical suffering. Biblical suffering is when you suffer for righteousness' sake. You know what another word of saying is? Is when you're in the right, but you're considered to be wrong. That's biblical suffering. Has this ever happened to you? Now, now, don't get, now, I don't want to be insensitive. If you have breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and, you're, and, you're, and, and you go through all the chemo, are you suffering physically? Yes, you are. But that's a different version of suffering. Is that, does that make sense? I'm not saying that they're not suffering. But the suffering we're here talking about is, is, is and, and young people are very sensitive to this form of injustice. Young children, the first thing, the first concept that they pick up is that guy got a big marshmallow and I got a small marshmallow. But we are twins. We are the same exact size. We're the same exact age. But why did he get one bigger? And why did I get one smaller? This is injustice. Do you know what I'm talking about? Now you'd think that young kids would grow up, grow out of that. But the reality is we never grow out of that. Those of you who are married, this happens to you all the time. Amen? Don't respond. <laughs> Especially for those of, those of, those of uh, I'll speak as a pastor, Paul talks about all the time, there are many in the ministry whose ministries are always being attacked. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, you, all the people that you baptize, they're all false baptisms. Within the Seventh-day Adventist church, are there, are there, is there competition between ministries? Do pastors try to bring other pastors down? Is there, is there a rivalry that happens in the church? Unfortunately, it does happen. Now, before you point the finger at pastors, does the same exact thing happen amongst lay members? Okay, you said it, not me, okay? It happens to all of us. And we're sensitive to that. 
One thing, the thing that comes fresh in my mind is today is actually the day. And this, I'm, I'm opening up my, my heart. And I don't know if I should have done this because there's three cameras staring at me and I'm, I'm getting afraid and the fear, but, but no, I'm going to have hope. Okay, okay, okay. I grew up in, in, in a framework of injustice, of calculating things. My father had just become a newly baptized Seventh-day Adventist. And in his zeal to, to witness and to be a nice guy, he had found a, a certain business partner who, who was lucrative and says, hey, you want to be partners in something? And I'm just making a super long story, really short. And he had come from Korea, and he was into exporting and importing materials and whatnot. And he says, hey, for this next uh, event, uh, business venture, we need to co-sign on this particular project. You want to do that together? And I find this guy had come out to church. My mom had known his wife. I played with his son. We became a really tight family. And amongst Korean culture, when two families become one, they become one. My dad says, oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, we're like brothers. Let's do it. And he co-signed the, 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 uh, some paperwork. Some time passes. I'm making a long story very short. One day, he goes into the office, and everything in the office has disappeared. Gone goes to his house, for sale sign, totally gone. Zero evidence that he was even around. Later, we found out he's an international con artist wanted by the Interpol police. Everything was set up. But during that process, my, the, the, this guy had Mercedes Benzes, Lexuses, a humongous mansion, all this luxurious stuff, and he put it on the credit line, and after he left, my father had to what? Pay for all these things and not even see any of these things. Do you understand? And then my, fa- my father tried to, tried to find him, and then he filed for bankruptcy, and the, and the law was on his side. And for the next 10 years, my father, whose credit was perfect, was, was basically zeroed out. I don't know what it was, but it was just horrible. Now, here I was, a child growing up, and I'm thinking, the injustice. The injustice. This is not what? not fair. It's not fair. And what happens, a hatred came out in my heart and paralyzed me. And what happens is this. When you suffer, you can either become, you can be fragile and weak and weary and you go despondent. Or this scar hardens and you become very what? Bitter, jaded, and you just harden up and emotionally protected. But the reality is this. This one story, as horrible as it was, happens to all of us here today in one way or another. Through family members and churches and businesses and finances, emotionally in marriages or whatever, whatever it is. And what happens as young people are especially sensitive to this as well. Yes? It took years for me to say, Lord, when I was converted, Lord, Create in me a love for this. You know what happened? The Lord actually created in me a love for this guy. When I came to the realization, hey, that guy, as horrible as he is, I've probably done worse to somebody else in a different field. And we both need to be saved. And I got on my knees, and Lord, save this guy. I don't know where he is. I don't know where in the world he is. He's probably ripping off other people. But I hope I see him heaven someday. I'm going to, I, want, I want the shock of my life, Lord, when I go to heaven. I want to see this guy to be my neighbor. And Lord, give me the character that if this guy becomes my neighbor for the rest of eternity, that I will enjoy heaven. Yes? If you can't forgive your enemies, you're not fit for heaven. Yes? Because heaven will not be heaven for you. It will be a hot place that we don't believe in. Okay. Keep going. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? He says, why not? They're the only ones who should be able to take it. When we suffer, God allows sometimes these things to happen to deepen our faith. And, uh, and I appreciate what Stephen, uh, Brother Stephen Dickey said. That, that he had, anyway, let me go through this. Uh, there's a book called Cradles of Eminence, Childhoods of More Than 700 Famous Men and Women. The uh, authors are Victor and Mildred Gertzel. And they actually they looked at 413 of the world's most famous people. They looked at their lives, their childhoods, their, their, what made them tick, and how do you become successful? How do you become a world changer in today's day? 
And they said the one common thread that they found in 392 of all these famous people was they all experienced immense injustice and suffering in their, in their childhood. And the ones who overcame this became these, became these, these beneficent, magnanimous uh, people to, who wanted to change the world. When a person focuses his mind and life on the things of this world, all these things can be taken away in a heartbeat. Why God allows suffering to happen is it's, it's almost a blessing. He says, to, to this day, and I, praise, I look back and I praise the Lord. Lord, why did you give me this experience? Why did you give me this experience? Why did you allow all this poverty, all this suffering to see my mom and dad fight at home and yell at each other and throw at each other credit card bills and, and screaming on the phone at Bill Clinton? Why did you allow this to happen? To this day, to my mom and dad and myself, finances and wealth is not a, a value for us. We've been freed from it. We don't care. Rather than these things, there's something else that has supplanted it. What is that? The Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. This is not an easy sermon to preach. It's not a, this is more of a reflective message. Then as a young person, if you're suffering, if you're going through what you're going through, if your parents are divorced or, or whatever educational stuff or whatever financial stuff or whatever even sexual or, or whatever, 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 whatever weird stuff out there, all these things happen, not because God willed them, but he does allow them to happen. There's a difference between the two, amen? And he allows us through the, at the end of the experience to become free from these things. Today, and I was mentioning this today, another injustice that happened was I got married this year, February 2012. I found the girl of my dreams. That's another sermon. And she's from Korea. From where, everybody? And don't ask north or south. Please do not ask that question. I hate that question. Of course, it's South Korea. Why would I go marry a North Korean girl? <laughs> For whatever, whatever, made a long story short, we, we, we met... And we were coming over to America. And she came to the airport. We passed through all the visa and immigration, and we came through luggage. And what happened is our luck was there were three drug traffickers on that plane. The State Department flagged our plane. And because of the tsunami that happened in Tokyo and Japan, the central drug trafficking airport in Eastern Asia is no longer Tokyo, but now Seoul, Korea. So they found three drug traffickers on our plane. Humongous bags. Well, guess who else also had a humongous bag? <laughs> when Koreans come from Korea, they bring big bags full of, like, all of Korea is in there. <laughs> and they went through it, and they said, hey, what's happening? And they asked her question. She went through an interrogation. And then they found some, some wedding shoes in her handbag. Do you have intention to get married and become an illegal immigrant in, in, in North America? No, we have a return ticket to return back. And that was our full intention. And a long story, la, 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 la. But for whatever purposes, two humongous men come next to her, handcuff her right hand, left hand. She was she put in a cell. They're going to deport her on a plane. Welcome to America, friends. And, and, and because there was no plane to go out that night, they're going to put her in a jail cell to sleep there and to fly the next morning. So I'm thinking, whoa, where did, where did my wife go? She was go back, and I have not seen her for another seven, seven months. And for seven months, I was thinking, Lord, what in the world? This is injustice. Yes, is it not? This is not, and I'm looking at every happy couple on Facebook. I'm like, there's so... <laughs> wedding invitation. I don't want to go to this wedding. When people go to church and they snuggle over the Bible, like, that's so disgusting. Why would they do that? And you get all bitter. Or you get weakened and you get despondent. Why does this happen? Today, today was the day she went in for embassy. And just one hour ago, I got off the phone all with her. And she went into the interview. And it was a three-hour grueling process. And they, they interrogated her. But at the end of three hours, and like all of Facebook was praying for us. The entire Michigan conference was praying for us. At the end of the interview, they said, you know what, for whatever, da, 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 because of the da, 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 we'll give you the visa. You're going to America in five days. 
And I'm thinking, Lord, what in the world? Why did you allow this to happen? Isn't that our natural question? Lord, why do you allow these things to happen? He wants us to free us from the idol, potential idols in our hearts and to rely solely on who? On Lord Jesus. Seek ye first the? There's nothing wrong with finances, amen? There's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with wives and spouses, amen? But who should take the place of the number one position in our hearts? The Lord Jesus. Let's keep reading. Keep reading. Fear. Verse 15. Verse 15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your what? The word sanctify means set apart. Set apart the Lord God in your what? Where? Your heart. The heart is not this Disney World heart. In Western culture, we have this thing, follow your heart. Horrible advice, that is. Which means, whatever you're feeling at that time, follow and trust your emotions. That is not what the Bible is talking about. The biblical lo- location of the heart is that private place in, in, inside of you. Every one of us has it. Inside this private place is where you think, it's where you are, where, where your values lie. This is who you really are. This is what happens, where you go to when you sleep at night and you have all these words. This is where you are at. These are all the secret intents and, 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 and the devisings of your, of your mind and your heart and your being. This is where, this is all happens in this, in this area. This, this little section, some people call it life space or your inner self if you're pantheistic. This, this inner inside place is what the Bible calls the what? The heart. And here, the Bible says sanctify, meaning set apart. Set apart the who? The Lord who? Now, the word Lord, and in our, in our culture today, we think of Lord as Lord as God. The Lord is another translation for, Lord, for the word master. For the word what? Master. master. Boss. Senior uh, officer. Master. He's your master, and he's also your who? Your God, your creator. This entity set him apart in where? Your inner, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your life space, in your hearts. So that what? What happens? Verse 15. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you for the reason of the what? The hope that is in you with what and what? Meekness and fear. This, this week, we're going to be ready. And that's going to be my, my sermon title for, for Sabbath morning. Be ready. The, the, the thing here at the end says meekness and fear. And I love this. I want to read this to you. Uh, I, I love this. Sodium is an extremely active element found naturally only in combined form. Chlorine is a poisonous gas that gives bleach its offensive color, uh, odor. When combined, sodium and chlorine, the result is what? Sodium chloride, which we know to be regular table salt. Love and truth can be like sodium and chlorine. When we're afraid of suffering, we don't either. We don't want to speak in love or we don't, we don't speak the what? The truth. When we're, when we're in a position of fear, we either want to retaliate and not speak in love or we want to lie to try to get out of the situation. Yes? That's what fear does. Love without truth is wishy-washy. It's blind, and it's willing to adopt any doctrine out there. Truth is offensive when it's all by itself, and sometimes truth is poisonous, and sometimes truth pushes people away from more further truth. Yes? But we need to combine what with what? Love, speaking the truth with, with love, and you get what? Just like sodium and chlorine, you get regular table salt. And we become, we're, we're, we're called to be the salt of the earth, able to preserve and bring out the beauty and the hope of our faith. The Bible talks about meekness and faith. What happens is this. Christians, and this is the basic point of what Peter's trying to say. Peter was afraid, so he denied Jesus. And he's giving the same advice to, to, to the people here in First Peter. Don't be afraid. Speak the truth. Always speak the truth. Do it. Give a reason for the hope that's in you. But do it out of what and what? Love, meekness, 
and fear. Fear not of the, the circumstances, but of, of a little respect for the Lord. Does it make sense? This is the flow of what Peter's trying to say. Let's keep on going. What is in your life that is causing you so much fear today? And here today, everyone has a fear. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If you don't want to close your eyes because you have a fear of closing your eyes, then, then that's, that's your fear. But name your fear here tonight. If we were to say, hey, we're going to go out to the city of, of what city is this? Where are we at? Portland. <laughs> we're going to go to Portland, and all of you are going to give an evangelistic series right now, all of you. Whether you're two years old or 202 years old, all of you are going to go have each block. We're going to give you a little milk crate. You're going to stand on top. We're going to give you a Bible, and you're going to preach right now in Portland. Some of you are thinking, that is an insane idea because of reasons one, two, three, four. Financially, that won't work out. People are going to think we're crazy. That is bad PR for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I don't know much about the Bible. I'm theologically uh, uh, not trained. All these reasons. But that's all based out of what? Fear. Let me, maybe, maybe it's a, you got you to witness to your parents. Maybe you got to witness to your church. Maybe it's your spouse. Whatever it is, evangelism evokes fear out of you. You got to go talk to the Muslims and witness your faith. Well, I have a fear of. Blah, 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 blah. Go talk to the Buddhists. Go talk to the, some of the energy worshiping people here in Oregon who look at vortexes and crystals and whatever. Oh, I can't do that. Why can't you? We all have a fear. Evangelism is what creates a Christ like character in all of us. You understand? Give a reason for the hope that's in you to every person that asks you. But sanctify the Lord God where? In your hearts. The fear goes away. What happens? Hope ends there. I'm going to ask, let's stay, let's, can we sing a song? I want to sing our theme song here tonight. What's our theme song? We have this what? Hope. We have this hope is not some hymn that we sing because church is over. Amen. I love this hymn. Let's all stand right now. Let's sing, We Have This Hope. And let's meditate on the words. What does that mean? Each stanza has a certain, has a certain punch to it. Can we get a pianist here who can, who can sing, play 214? 214. 214. We have all these girls who are afraid of playing the piano here tonight. Okay, sing out loud. Are you afraid of singing out loud? Okay, if you have a horrible voice, you don't have to sing that loud, but sing with conviction and, and passion. Lord, we have this hope. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Then you may be able to give a reason of the hope to every man that asks you with meekness and fear. 214. We have this hope. We have this hope that sits in our hearts. Hope in the coming of the Lord. We have this faith that sits in tonight, do you have a fear that you know the Holy Spirit is telling you, you have this? You can brush it off. You can wait tonight, sleep on it, and ignore it until tomorrow comes around. But we all will be struggling with this fear for the rest of our lives. It prevents us from being like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus knew no fear. Amen.
Do you want to be invincible? Do you want to be bold? That doesn't mean we should be annoying, friends. Amen? Amen. Annoying and bold are two very different things. Annoying people who are afraid, but they don't know they're afraid. So they try to overcompensate in different ways. Do you have a particular, particular fear? Yes, Lord, today, condescend into my life space, into my heart, and with however you do it, as you created the world ex nihilo out of nothing, create and convert this fear into hope. Is that, is that your prayer here tonight? And Lord, whether you call me to preach to a million people or one person or to be on TV or just to get up in the morning and do my devotions faithfully day after day, give me that consistent hope. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? Amen? Raise your hands high. Are you afraid? Hi. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, that I don't speak any foolishness. But Father, this is the passion that, that is in me. It is, it is uh, my experience. Father, it's so similar to Peter's experience. And Lord, I know that it is, it is the, the things that, that all of us go through in this room. Father, we suffer. And Lord, we thank you for suffering. Lord, we don't invite it. But when it does come, may we not be afraid of it. And Lord, may we praise your name of how we can be more like you, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a result. But Father, give us a reason of hope. May we be a true Advent people. May hope be the one thing that we yearn for for all our lives. And Lord, here for every person that raised their hand, Lord, condescend into our hearts. Come down, Lord. We give you permission to enter into those private areas that no one even knows about. And Lord, we expose to you our fears. Fear of rejection, fear of suffering, fear of, of being weak, fear of loss, fear of whatever, Lord. And Lord, change it into versions of hope. This is our sincere prayer. In Jesus' name, let all the people say, This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.